So hey, y'all, how you doing? Did you have a good Thanksgiving? How many of you ran the marathon and not the sprint? All day long, baby. You had the buffet buster pants on. You know what I'm talking about, elastic waist, because you were in it to win it. Anybody? Right? Not, you, know, you know, you weren't there to play. You quit school because they had recess, so you were just getting after it all day long, right? So, uh, man, I did, and uh, I just, I, I guess I need to stop today by, uh, start today by saying, um, just confess to you that I, I didn't just eat uh, there for about uh, 45 minutes of my life. I was a glutton. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was hurting. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know, when you eat hard enough, you're starting to sweat, <laughs> See, right? <laughs> I needed help. I should have toweled off and just quit, but I kept going. But anyway, I'm Arthur. I'm one of the pastors here, and I hope you guys had a great uh, Thanksgiving uh, meal and festivities and gathering and all that kind of stuff. I hope it was just a, a great weekend for you, and uh, you really enjoyed being around the people. Because, you know, Thanksgiving, that's like the national day of dysfunction, right? You know, my family, we sort of put the fun in dysfunction, so it's always kind of fun. Uh, lots of interesting things going on. So we're going to start our Christmas series today, Home for Christmas. And so if you've got a Bible with you, uh, I'm going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It'll take me a little while to get there, but we're going that direction. And uh, some of you are going, you've been around church a long time, and you're like, Arthur, Christmas, Ecclesiastes, you need to rethink that. Maybe so. We'll find out. And, uh, but if not, if you'd like to just follow along online, you can. You just go to southcrest.church slash notes. And uh, the uh, scripture passages that we're using today and a couple other things are jotted in there. And so you can kind of follow along there as well if you'd like to. But before we get started today, just a real quick sort of unscientific straw poll uh, kind of uh, question or two or 20, depending on what kind of mood I'm in. I'm a little frisky, a little, uh, you know, a little kind of wired because it's Christmas, because I love Christmas. Uh, I love this time of year. It's a really, really fun kind of time of year. And, you know, because, I mean, if, if you've got, you know, if you're married, it's a great time of year, uh, you know, to spend time with your spouse. Uh, if you're not married, it's a great time of year to spend time with your friends. If you've got children or you're around children, man, Christmas is a really incredible, fun time of year. If your children are real small, look, here's the deal. Don't spend a bunch of money on them for Christmas. They will never remember it. You know, one of the best things that we ever gave our kids when they were little is a roll of tape. You're, see, you're laughing. But see, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding you. Listen, because, you know, when they're little, they think scotch tape is a really amazing thing to play with. But you say, don't do that. You'll use up all the tape. So you give them a couple rolls of tape at Christmas. They do what you want to. Go crazy. And they're like, man, this is great. If you've got little kids, just, I mean, like, you know, they're like, I know, a year old, just give them a piece of paper. They don't care. They'll chew on it. They'll have fun. They're fine. You take cute pictures. It doesn't cost you anything. It's great. And, uh, you know, they get a little older. But, man, they get a little older. You know, they get, you know, three, four, five, six years old. And you give them those gifts. And sometimes they say something. Uh, you give them something. And they go, yeah. And then they, go, they get so excited. Do a little victory dance or something. And you go, yeah, that's amazing. Um, you know, I, I can remember I gave one of my sons one year. A, a, um, he got a fishing rod. And, man, he just went crazy. He was so excited about that. I gave one of my other sons one year a bicycle, and he just kind of looked at me like, why'd you do that? I'm not interested in that. I didn't want a bike. What's, what's that here? Uh, so it was kind of weird and awkward, like, I'm sorry. Uh, dad fell. Uh, but anyway, I was going to ask you some questions. We're going to take a survey. So ADD is rampant in my life today. 
So, but here's, here's the deal. I, I think lots of us, uh, we, we sort of struggle sometimes with, with wanting to be more content. And we think, well, if I could make some changes in my life, I would be more content. So that just, I want you to be honest. I don't want you to think, well, I'm going to raise my hand on this question. And when he says this, then and people are going to look at me and say, no, don't worry about that. Just be honest, be real. Uh, this is church, so it's okay. So how many people think that, you know what, I would be more content if I had a little bit more space in my life, if I had, uh, you know, some more time, if life wasn't so busy, if I could get some things just straightened out just a little bit and get my schedule to quit being so crazy, I would be a, a lot more content. How many people would say that? All right, awesome. Awesome. You're a lot more honest than nine o'clock was. Um, so uh, let me ask you another one. Uh, how many people would say that, you know what, I, I would be more content if the relationship issues I have in my life would just get straightened out. And maybe it's with, you know, maybe it's with uh, uh, your marriage, maybe it's your children, uh, maybe it's with a coworker, maybe it's with a friend. And, it's not, and, and maybe you're not mad at them. Maybe you just wish that it would be a better relationship. Maybe you're single and you're like, I would really like a relationship. Uh, I, I have no idea. But, you know, for a lot of us, we think if I could just get some relationships to be better, that I, I, would, be, I would be more content. Anybody say that? I had better relationships. I would be more content. Awesome. Great. Thanks. Uh, how about this one? Uh, how many of you say, you know what? I would be a lot more content uh, if I had a different job. If your boss is in the room, don't raise your hand. Okay. Wait after the first of the year. Christmas bonuses, Right. Right. Okay. But you'd be more content if you had, if you had another job, a different position, uh, that you got the promotion, that you got the raise, whatever, you'd be more content. Anybody? Awesome. Yeah. We're getting more and more honest with each question. Way to go. Uh, and, and by the way, well, I mean, what happened to us? You know, when we were little, we wanted to be like Batman and, uh, and Wonder Woman, and we wanted to be rock stars, and we were going to be on stage, and we were going to be, you know, in, in, in making records, or we we're going to be a fireman or a policeman, and we're in a cubicle. What happened to us? I mean, man, you talk about something getting off, off the rails a little bit. And some of, listen, okay. Some of you, you wanted to be Hannah Montana. Okay, that was wrong. Okay, and, and look, look, I want you to know, on Tuesdays, I pray for you. Because, uh <sighs> Uh, how, how about this? How about man, if I had a little bit more bread, a little more moolah, a little bit more dinero, a little bit more coin, a little bit more change in the bank, a little bit more money on the hip, uh, just, just, just some more money, I would be more content. Anybody? Anybody? Hey, I thought we were being honest. God, we were, we were on a streak there, and then all of a sudden we headed a different direction. So how about, let me ask you this one. How about uh, the, the opposite of that, the reciprocal of that? You go, man, I've got too much stuff, and I, I feel burdened by it and worn down by it. And, you know, if I could just get rid of some of that stuff, I didn't have so many financial responsibilities and didn't have to take care of so much stuff that, you know, I would be more content. Anybody? Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for telling me that. that, that that's good. See, here, here's the thing that I'm, I'm pretty convinced of is that we have been discipled to be discontent by our culture. I think that's what happened. I I think that we have been taught by the culture and the things that are around us, by the people around us, uh, by everything around us to be discontent. And and we're really good at it. 
Because we can have really good things going on in our life and say, well, look, I, I want something else, or I want more, or I want it to be different. And, you know, and you can say, man, this is great. And then three months later, you're going, why did I ever do that? That was dumb. I want something better. I want something different. And, you know, and one of the things that you find out is when you start looking at what people celebrate, it will tell you a lot about who they are. And I think it's just a good time for us to stop for a minute and think about what it is that we celebrate, and, and that will tell us a lot about who we are. Now, if you're new at Southcrest, I, I hope that you're already picking up on the fact that around here, we really value Jesus, and we're pointing people toward Jesus. And so uh, we celebrate him. We, we, everything we do is sort of pointing people that way and leading people that way and encouraging people to be in this relationship with him. And that is, and he is who we value most. Now, if, you, if you're new here or if you've been here a long time and you come in and you're like, I'm, I'm not sure what you guys value around here. I'm not sure what you, what's really important to you. Then we are missing the mark. Uh, and we're not doing a good job because what we want to do is lead out in our cities uh, about saying, Here, here's the deal. Uh, we are going to absolutely value Jesus more than anybody else, more than anything else. And I hope that you see that when you come in uh, to our campus and you see what God is doing here. And that when you encounter people from South Crest, whether it's in a life group or uh, serving somewhere in the community or uh, just standing in line at the grocery store that you go, wow, there's people in this at South Crest. It's obvious to, the, to me that they really do value Jesus and, and, and who he is. And so, uh, you, you know, we celebrate what we value. And so at South Crest, we really value Jesus. And so the question I want us to think about is for just a minute is what does Christmas teach us about our culture? Uh, what does Christmas teach us about our culture? Because we begin looking at that and thinking of that and realizing, hey, that is something that we really value a whole lot. Now, I, I got to tell you something first before I say this because uh, I, I don't want to be misunderstood in any way. I love Christmas. I mean, you know, do you remember years ago that people started having this idea, we're going to have Christmas in July, and so they said, look, let's provide something for people who don't have anything uh, during the middle of the summer, and so they had this big thing about we want to help people uh, in the middle of the summer. And I thought, well, that was, you know, that's a really great thing. Um, and now Christmas really does start in July, right? And I, and, and I mean, it keeps going and going and going. And some people go, I don't like that. I, I, I don't like that, that. Did you know there's a radio station playing Christmas songs before Halloween? Did you know that? And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> I think it's great. Listen, you may not know it, but we're celebrating the, the birth of our Savior, and we can do that all year long. That's okay with me. You know, we don't have to sing Christmas songs just at Christmas. You know, some of the best worship songs ever written, Christmas songs, and we don't have to be afraid of that. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, and I mean, I just, I mean, I, I do. I love Christmas. You know, uh, I went, um, uh, you know, this is going to be my first Christmas in Georgia in a while, and so, you know, I had to run out and get a couple of things at Home Depot the other day. And you know what? Nobody asked me to do this. I was just by myself. Uh, you know, Lori is unpacking some boxes and doing things at home. And so I walk over to Home Depot, and I'm, like, I'm walking around in there, and I'm like, I think we need that Christmas tree and that one and that one. And, you know, and I mean, look, we just moved into a, a new neighborhood, new house for us. 
And so I'm sitting there going, you know, we have this HOA there in our neighborhood, and I'm just waiting to get my first letter from them because I'm that kind of guy. Uh, you know, they, they are going to rain on me, I'm sure of it. But, it's, I mean, I want to be the Clark Griswold of the neighborhood. Uh, I, I want to be that, that guy that people you know, the, the new guy down the street, would he turn his lights? I want to be that guy. We were walking through the other day. I said, Lori, I said, you see this right here? She said, what? I said, look, this thing. I said, it's like a hologram for the front of the house. I said, we can, look. I said, I said we don't have to put all these lights. I can just plug this. Thing. I said, Lori, look, it has 47 different scenes you can put on it. And I can download some more online. I said, look, we are going to knock it out of the park. She said, we can't do that. I said, we're going to do that. And I mean, look, yesterday, my daughter Hannah and I, were driving up to watch the Clemson game last night, right? And so we hadn't even made it to the perimeter yet, and she's got some jam going on her phone. I said, I said, Hannah, I said, look, you know, it's time for us to start singing Christmas songs. She says, can we? And I said, I said, yes. She said, well, let's make it holly jolly in here, Daddy. And I said, all right. <laughs> and, you know, so I'm going, all I want for Christmas is you. And you, I mean, we're, I mean, I'm singing badly down there, and she's just laughing and having a good time because she sings, and, you know, she sings, and God goes, you know, you're really good. And, you know, I sing, and God goes, would you please stop? But, you know, I mean, it was, when we were having a great time just right, I mean, I love Christmas. This is, I mean, this is really my favorite time of the year, and, I mean, I just absolutely uh, love everything about it. And, and but there's this tension that happens in us this time of year. And, and I, that's what I want to get at a little bit this morning because here, here's what happens is that, is that marketers, most of them, people who are in marketing, most of them understand the needs and desires of the human heart better than most preachers and teachers do. And that's kind of scary. Uh, and it's really kind of sad uh, when you think about it. But, but, but that's, that's the deal. And, and they're coming after us and, and because they, they, they know something. And, and listen, and that's, and listen, so... Man, I want, you, I want you to hear me. I love Christmas. I mean, I love it. But, but I want you to know that there's a tension. If you're a Christ follower, every single one of us struggles with this. Every single one of us. We're sitting there going, you know what? What about if I was to do this? Or what about if I'm not sure that I'm content with the things that I have and, and, and what's going on? And, and, and this is also a time of year when a lot of people begin to really think and consider about where they are and, and, and what's not right with their life. And, you know, the thing is, um, I, I think a, a lot of us, we say, you know what, if I could just get something, life would be a, a, a lot better. You know, because... It's, or if I, and it may not be a thing, like an object. Because some of you are like, you know what I really need is a Lexus. Great, I hope you get one. I hope you get two. Um, and you say, that, that's, that's what, I, you know, that, that, I need that thing. And it's going to help me. And sometimes, sometimes it's not that. Some, for some of us, you know, it is, it's, a, it's more than a thing. It's an idea. Because what, what we really want is we want that Norman Rockwell Christmas, don't we? Everybody comes, everybody's there, and you're kind of looking around the room, and, you know, the children are there, mom and dad are there, and, you know, and it's just this etched-in-your-memory kind of moment, and, 
you know, and the food is perfect, and the music is playing in the background just perfect, and, you know, and, and you're like, man, this, this is great. This is just what I dreamed it would be. And see, and see people who are in marketing, they know that. They, want, they know we want something, that we're looking for something, and, they're, and, they're, and they're, they've got this message for us. And you know what this message is? And I'm going to really boil this down in something really simple so that everybody can understand it. But there's this message that they're coming after us with, and the message is very simply this. Your life stinks. Merry Christmas. Your life stinks. We can get the stink out of your life. We can make your life better. We can make your life better than you ever thought it would be because you need something, and, I'm, and we're going to provide it for you. We're, we're going we're to take care of it. There's something that's missing in your life, and what's missing in your life is something that we can provide. That's what we're going to do for you, and, and that's sort of where, where, where they live because they know that's where we live. And so I, I, I want you to I want you to hear what we're talking about today, but I, also, I want you to enjoy Christmas. I want you to be excited about it because it is the very best, amazing time. We spend a whole month of the year, I mean, just zero in on, in on Christmas. So it's, it's a great thing. Uh, so let me show you this in Genesis 1.27. Uh, it, says, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. All right, so, so understand this. What separates us from the animals is not the fact that we have thumbs and they do not. I tell that to my dog all the time. The dog is sitting there going, I want to go outside. I'm like, if you had thumbs, you could open the door, couldn't you? But you don't have thumbs, so you're going to have to wait on me. All right? So that's not what separates us from the animals. It does, it's not the fact that we are, have a conscience and they do not. What separates us from the animals is that we are made in God's image. And so he has put longings and desires and pathways in us that are just like his. And we were, cre- we were created to live a life as though we are made in his image because we are made in his image. And so... Over in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we read this. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Now, look, we could stop right there for about a month and just talk about that. But let's keep moving. He says, also, this is really important, also, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. And so God has put eternity, a longing for something else, not just life here, but life forever. He has put that eternity into our hearts. Now, maybe you've heard a a preacher say one time, or you read in a book, or you read a blog, or you heard something somewhere that, that said that, there is a hole in your heart that only God can fill. Maybe you've heard that. Or there's, a, there's something missing in your soul, and only God can fill in what's missing. And, and so that's where this comes from, okay? That, that's where that comes from. And so you have this longing, this desire, this, this I need something in my heart, right? And, and so, so what happens, though, is that <clears throat> we seek to fill the gap uh, of uh, of eternity with what is temporary. That, that, that's what we do. We say, look, I, I've got to, you know, you were made for something eternal 
and, and we try and cram something temporary in this. And even, listen, even if you are, are, are some uh, a pagan atheist and, and you have total disdain for God, you get this, you understand this. This is where you live, right? Everybody gets this, that, that we have this hope that we're always trying to push forward, that we're always trying to move into a different direction and we're trying to, to better things, Right, and we, won't, we, and we think, well, if I had this, it would be different. That, that's, that's how we do it. But listen, when you were little, what happened when th- your, your parents started giving you a little freedom and said, instead of playing in the backyard, you can go across the street and play with your friends. And then they said, you know what? You can go and spend the night with a friend. And you start, well, this is great. I'm starting to get some freedom. And then you, you get into high school and you're starting to move around a little bit and you get a driver's license. You think, man, this is great and it's awesome. And you start looking for a place to go to college and you pray about it. You say, okay, this is where I'm going to go to college. I'm not sure if it's the right one. And you pray and you pray and you pray. And you say, okay, well, I end up at the right college. And you're in there and you get through with college and you're like, and all along, you're thinking, man, this is great. And remember, man, you were 14 years old, and you thought life was in, it couldn't get any better. And then you figure you're 15, like, man, 14 wasn't so good. But you kept going, and you kept chasing, and you kept trying to find something else. You're trying to, to find something to, to, to put in there, remember? And you, you, I mean, you got a job, right? And you, you got a job, and you're, and you're like, man, this is great. And you're making real money, and you think this is this is impressive. This is great. And then you're like, ah, oh, not so much. And you, 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 get a, uh, you get a car. I mean, your first real car, not the old jalopy that your bucket of bolts that your parents bought you, but I mean, but a real car that has a, you know, a new car scent. And you're, you're like, I'm never going to eat in this car. <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always going to take a, uh, uh, a, a, a diaper wipe and wipe off my feet before I get in the car. Right? That lasts for about two weeks. Right? But you say, man, this is great. I've got this car, and, and, and it, just, it, it, just, it just doesn't. I, I was talking to somebody recently. Uh, somebody's in their, in their 20s, early 20s, and I said, uh, I said, so you're getting a Christmas bonus, I guess, before long. I said, yeah. Uh, I said, yeah, I know what it's going to be. And, and they said, ah, just $1,000. And I, I said, you know, when, I bet when you were 17, you thought $1,000 would last you a lifetime. But now you're like, no, it's just $1,000. Right? See, we, we, we keep looking for something more and something more and something more and something more. And, and look, and you've got really high, high watermark days in your life. I mean, where things are great and you're loving it. And you say, man, this is great. I, I, I can't imagine things getting any better. Look, the day I got married, I was standing down in the front of the church and I was sitting there like this. I had a big goofy grin on my face though. And you know, they opened the back doors of the church and my sweet Lori, she came walking down the aisle, and I hadn't seen her all day long. And that was weird for me because we spent all of our time together. I was so in love with her and still am. And she came walking down that aisle, and, you know, and she stopped right there beside me, and she looked at me, and she said, hey. I said, hey. And we started kind of laughing a little bit. And, you know, we went through, that, went through the wedding, and I, you know, and, and I, I held her hands, and uh, I looked into her eyes, and she looked into mine. I put a ring on her finger. She put a ring on mine. I kissed her on the mouth right in front of God and everybody. I think my mother had never seen me kiss a girl before. I think it probably gave my mother a heart attack, but she lived. You know, and I was sitting there going, and it thought, you know, this is, this is so good. And I didn't have to do anything for that. It was, I mean, this is great. It doesn't get any better than that. And we got it. We had a big party, and we got in a limousine, and we flew to Disney World, we're the happiest place on earth. And we thought, this is, this is good. Had our honeymoon there. But you know what happened? And, and, and hear me, married people, when you get this, that was so good. But you know what happened? That turned into work. 
Don't, get, don't act like I'm the only one here to do that. I love it. I, I, I love working with her and her working with me for our marriage and our relationship to be better. But it was work. I'm like, hey, this is not all just, you know, buttercups and roses all the time. Look, I lose things a lot. I'll just be real honest with you. This morning, I was planning on wearing black shoes. I could not find them. Now, we just moved, so, you know, cut me a little slack. But somewhere in our house, there were a pair of black shoes that I was going to wear today, and I could not find them. So I'm wearing brown. Okay? I lose things. Uh, I'm messy. I bathe regularly, but I'm messy. God gave me kids. What was he thinking? Here's a human being. Take care of this one. And you remember that? Man, I was in the room for all three of my kids were born. And, you know, and I, I, I didn't do anything. And Lori would say, amen. I mean, I tried to cheer her on one time, and she said, stop. But, I mean, but other than that, I mean, I, I was there. And I, I was like, golly, this is, this is my kid. God, what are you thinking? You gave me a kid. But, and it was, man, it's one of, I remember every single one of those. I mean, it's just great days. But I didn't know anything about parenting. I read parenting books. You know, it's parenting books. People write books about parenting. They're weird. Have you noticed that? They don't have kids like the rest of us. We should do this. Listen, their kids come out smoking a pipe and quoting Shakespeare. <laughs> my, look, look, my kids come out with a hatchet and an attitude. Right? And you think you got strong-willed kids. Phew, right? And so, and so parenting becomes work. I mean, it's a very good, enjoyable kind of work, but like, this is not it either. And see, we, we seek to, to fill the gap of eternity with, with what's temporary, and it just doesn't work out because it turns out that there's no house, no car, no relationship is going to fill this gap. Nothing is. And so, but we get lied to over and over and over again. And we, and we for some reason, we believe the lie. So I was sitting here this week, and I was asking, well, why do we believe the lie? Why is that lie so enticing to us? Why can we not say no to it? And I think there's two things. I think number one, I think it's because uh, we, have the, we have this whole of eternity in our hearts. And we're, we're trying to feel it. And we know that God can feel it, but we don't, we're like, oh, I don't know if we really, really will or not. I mean, we know the answer, but we still look that way. And I think that the second reason uh, is very simply this, is that we believe God is holding out on us. See, here's what happens. We think that God doesn't really love us. Because especially this time of year, what we start doing is we start looking other places and say, well, they've got a better house. They've got more money, a better family, better situation. All these things are better, 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 better for them. And it's not better for me. And so God must love them more than he loves me. And so we start moving out of grace and into religion. That's what happens. We believe God's holding out on us. He's got something else for us, but he won't give it to us. And that we deserve it, and he owes it to us. And we think, God, you don't know what you're doing. You should give me more. And it's a very slippery slope because you move from grace to religion to, and we don't like this word, coveting. You've got something I don't have. You've got a family I don't have. You've got a relationship I don't have. You've got stuff I don't have. And here's the truth about coveting, is that coveting is an accusation against God that he doesn't care about you, provide for you, or give you what you need. 
That's what it is. That's trouble. You are saying, God, you don't know what you're doing. And he said, Arthur, I wouldn't do that. I think you would. I think I would. That's all we do. See, and what we're doing is we're saying, and, and, and that goes with anything. When God says, look, live your life this way. And we're like, God, why are you putting a slap on these rules on me? He's not slapping rules on me. He wants your life to be a better life. He says, here it is. Look, that, 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 you say, well, God doesn't care about these little things. No, he does care about these little things. He wants your life to be better. Look, it's like lying. Look, when you tell a lie, and you say, well, it's just a little lie. A lie is a lie. A little lie, big lie. Whatever. When you tell a lie, what you are doing is you're saying, I trust the devil more than I trust God to take care of this situation. When you're saying, I want more, you're saying, God, I don't believe you will take care of me. I don't. I got to hurry. So if you've got a Bible, uh, if you're turning along with me, go to John chapter 1. Now, while you're turning to John chapter 1, I want to show you this, this quote from C.S. Lewis. Uh, C.S. Lewis, he's a genius. Uh, he's about 4,000 times smarter than I'll ever be. Uh, and if you have never read some C.S. Lewis, you should start reading some C.S. Lewis. Uh, a lot of us, uh, maybe the only way we know about C.S. Lewis is maybe you saw his movie, uh, Lionel Richie's Wardrobe. All right, he says, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Now, some of you are going to run into somebody in the next little bit, and you're going to invite them to our Christmas Eve services. Or you're going to talk about things of faith with them. And they're going to say, I tell you what, if you could prove to me that God exists, I'd believe in him. If you could show me. Now, what that's called, there's a word for that. It's called empiricism. Okay, and empiricism is, look, if I can see it, smell it, taste it, hear it, or touch it, I'll believe you. Okay, and so what C.S. Lewis does is he explains how Jesus came and, and puts to death empiricism. Because the whole idea of Jesus coming and changing our lives is that he says, look, here's what I'll do for you. I'll fill the hole in your heart. I'll also take care of the stuff problem that you have too. But this hole in your heart of eternity, he says, I, I, I'll take care of that. And see, and somebody who's an empiricist says, Look, if you'll show me God, prove to me that he exists, I'll believe. See, he's already said something dumb because he has already proved himself wrong by saying that he has to see God. Because he says, if I could see it, smell it, taste it, hear it, touch it, I'd believe it. And when he says that, all you have to do is point to him and say, well, look, have you ever found anything that brings you contentment? And he's going to go, no. And you go, well, you know what? That means you weren't made for this world. There's another world for you. This is not the life that you were made to live. You were made to live eternally. You were made for another world. Right? Golly, I got to hurry. John 1. 
it says, in the beginning was the Word. Very familiar passage of Scripture. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, a couple of things there. Jesus has always been around. Jesus did not get created at some point when God says, you know what, I need a son. But Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are always there. They're at the very beginning. Jesus is the creator. Read more about that in Colossians chapter 1 if you want to. This is where he holds the atoms of the world together. He holds everything together. Literally, physically, spiritually. He holds everything together. He says, all things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So two things really fast. Number one, Jesus fills the gap of eternity. You've got this gap in your soul, this gap in your heart, and only Jesus can fill that gap. And if you look anywhere else, it's not going to work. It will work for a season. It will work for a few days, but it will not work long term. You are trying to fill something eternal with something temporary, and anywhere outside of looking to Jesus, it is not going to work. Uh, let me show you this, Colossians 1.27. It says, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What mystery is he talking about? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so what happens, and he talks about, this is the theologians talk about the union with Christ. And what happened is that, what happens when Jesus was on the cross is that God took your sin and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours and mine and put our sin, not just our past sin, not just our present sin, but tomorrow when you lose your temper and scream at somebody, that sin too. Put that on the cross. On Jesus, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on your behalf. And in that moment, all of eternity changed for you. And so not only does Jesus fill the gap of eternity, but Jesus reorders creation. Because in that moment, what happens is now when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees the Jesus in you. That's why when he looks at you, he sees the good in you. He sees that you are not the same, that you are different. And he reorders creation. Arthur, what do you mean by that? Here's what I'm talking about. He takes the common graces of life. Let me talk about common grace. Look, everybody, Jesus, God loves everybody. Everybody gets air to breathe. Everybody gets a life to live. In, I think, 20-some days, I will have been married to Lori for 30 years. People who are not Christ followers also get married. It's a common grace. I got married to Lori. I love her. You know, she's my best friend. She tells funny jokes. I think she's incredibly attractive. Um, she makes things. She understands things. She's got incredible wisdom. She has an insight into Scripture that I don't have. I say all these good things about her. But, but, but guess what? See, here's what God, 
God does. He reorders creation through Jesus. And he says, look, it's not just a good thing. I'll make it better. Because as much as I love Lori, you know what? The purpose of me being married to Lori is not for me to be happy. But God works through Lori to help make me holy. And sometimes he uses a hammer and chisel and a piece of sandpaper through her to sharpen me up and to make me into his image, and I don't like it. But it's something more he does for me, and I do the same for her. And so he, he, God says, i got something good for you. Let me make it better. Thanksgiving, love the day. Look, we had some friends invite us over for Thanksgiving. I loved it. Man, the food was good. There's no question about that. But you know what, what, ex, what was extra? Because Jesus reorders creation. You know what was extra? Is that, oh, wow. I really love these people. And we got through eating, and I sat on the couch and I was listening to their conversation. I was like, wow. This is so much better than I imagined it would ever be. That's what he does. He says, Jesus descended into all this chaos as a baby. He emptied himself. And see, and at Christmas, we talk about Jesus being born. That's Advent. There's a second Advent. He's coming back. But the next time, he is not coming back, and he's not going to have emptied himself. He's coming back in his fullness. Revelation 19, he'll have a crown on his head, a sword in his hand, a a tattoo on his thigh. He's coming back as the king of kings. He's coming back to rescue us. He's going to take you home. No more sorrow, no more fear, no more pain. We finished up moving to Georgia this week. Long, long story, but I'll make it short. Everybody's got issues with movers. Sometimes we had issues with movers this week. Long story short, I I have this little app on my phone that tells me how much that I walk every day. So on Tuesday and Wednesday this week, it says that I walked uh, about 24 miles. I never left my house. I was carrying a lot of boxes to a truck and loading them up. I was tired. I thought it was going to go this way and ends up going a little different. I'm tired. I'm worn out. At 3.16 a.m. Thanksgiving morning, I parked a giant truck in front of our new home here. I was tired. Worn out. Exhausted. Beat like a yard dog. And I look out the windshield of this truck and my kids were here and they'd taken a couple Christmas trees and put them out on the front porch and had plugged them in and I walked into the house and they put three little more little Christmas trees over here and they had plugged those in the lights on them and, I, and dad was not thinking you should unplug those it's going to cost a lot of electricity this month I wasn't thinking that I was thinking man I'm so glad to be home 
they changed the sheets on the bed. I went in there and, and laid there in bed and said, oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for letting me be home. Now maybe you had a rough day this week. Maybe you had a rough month, a rough year. And you're weary. You may, I've been working hard. You thought things were going this way, but they're not. They went in a slightly different direction and you were worn out. And maybe you feel like you've been driving through the night and you're just trying to get somewhere and, and it's just, it seems like the journey just doesn't end. Well, maybe you need to change direction because maybe you've been following your own direction and maybe you need to come home for Christmas. You need to come home. You've been somewhere else. You've been doing your own thing. Quit running. It's not going to work out. Quit the temporary things. It's not going to work out. Quit putting your hope in the wrong place. It's not going to work out. Come home for Christmas, will you?